1: Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, attorney Bob Bergman.
2: Good afternoon, Bay Area. Excuse me. Uh, This is estate-depanding attorney Bob Bergman broadcasting from my office in San Jose. Excuse me, I sound a little scratchy right now because... Uh, If you live in the South Bay Area and the Bay Area in general, you know that we have a tremendous amount of smoke and particles in the air right now. Uh, So bad that my children's school actually canceled school for today, yesterday afternoon, because it's so bad they didn't want the kids there at school. Uh, So throughout the show today, I apologize in advance if I sound a little scratchy or if I have to turn aside and cough. I'm finding it's affecting my uh, nasal passages and my throat as well, and I feel a little scratchy today. So I want to take a moment here right now before really getting into the show and just pause and offer up a prayer for all those families throughout California that have lost their homes, lost their businesses, lost loved ones, especially for those families that are waiting to hear Uh, about loved ones that are missing right now. Uh, This has been one of the most heartbreaking tragedies that I've ever seen living here in California. I've lived here 50 years now, and this certainly rivals Loma Prieta um, earthquake back in in 89 for the devastation that's been wrought by nature here. So uh, I just want to offer a prayer to those families. God, please Bless those families in in their loss. Help them to replace those losses. And for those who have lost loved ones that we know about and the loved ones that we know have been lost that we don't know about yet, please protect them, cover them with your love, and help them, surround them with friends and other family that can lift them up and support them in this time. Thank you very much. Amen. Now, those of you who have been listening for a long time know that uh, I give regular seminars in my office and occasionally out in the community in general. I do a seminar on living trust planning and kind of what we do here in this modern era. I do another seminar on retirement plan, uh, planning, planning for retirement plans such as 401k plans and IRAs. And, um... I actually have both of those seminars in my office tomorrow morning. My retirement plan seminar is first, followed by my living trust seminar. So if you have any interest in coming to either one or both of those, you can visit eventbrite.com and search for the living trust seminar or search for the retirement plan trust seminar. You'll find both of those. I have several other dates and times coming up. Over the next couple of months. So if you can't come tomorrow, you could always register in advance for one of those dates and make sure your spot is reserved. I want to emphasize I can only handle about 15 people at a time in my office for these seminars. So if you'd like to come, register right away. You can go to ventbright.com, search for those seminars. You can go to my website at lawbob.com and click on the link that talks about registering for seminars, and you'll see a calendar there where you can actually pick a date, select the seminar you want to register for, and it will take you into Eventbrite. I'm also introducing a brand new seminar that's going to be a short one, be about an hour long, and it's debuting this coming Monday at 1 o'clock in my office, going from 1 o'clock to about 2 o'clock, and it's called Your Living Trust is Broken. <clears throat> I know kind of a provocative title, but what the seminar is going to be about is all the living trust planning done mainly by married couples back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and even the 2000s with a specific type of planning that's called the AB or ABC marital trust and how because of many changes in how we do trust and also changes in tax laws those kinds of trusts are actually broken for the vast majority of people now so if you're married and you have one of those ab trusts that says divide the property when the first spouse dies this would be a good seminar for you i'm doing it on monday afternoon from 1 to 2 cuz i imagine that most of the people that have seminar excuse me that have trusts like that are probably older um, maybe in retirement now, and that would be much more accessible to them during the daytime than perhaps even on a Saturday morning. Um, this is a test to see if anyone's interested in coming to that. If not, I'll probably move it to another time, maybe an evening sometime during the week. But if you're interested in your living trust is broken, you can again go to my website and actually register, um, link through there. To Eventbrite, where you can register for that seminar. If you want to talk with me today with any questions you have about estate planning that you'd like me to answer live for you on the air, if I'm able to do so, you can call me at 800 516 1220. That's 800 516 1220. You can always uh, also email me at radio at lawbob.com. That's radio. At lawbob, L A W B O B dot com, with your questions, and I'll be happy if I can see them during the show, I'll be happy to answer those on the air as well. Now, continuing in the tradition of my show, I'm going to go to the mailbag, as it were, <clears throat> and look for various kinds of questions and situations raised by people throughout the state of California, and then give my Uh, my considered opinion as an estate planning practitioner. Um, Those of you who have been listening know I've been practicing for many, many years. I'm board certified as a specialist in estate planning trust and probate law, which means I'm part of a small subset of attorneys in California that do estate planning that are actually specially trained to do estate planning. So let's get right into it. Excuse me, there's that smoke again. So here's a question out of Southern California. Someone said, can someone who is not related get power of attorney over someone who has had a stroke? Situation, my ex who was on my mortgage had a stroke. It left him unable to speak, but his stepdaughter had him sign a document, which turned out to be a deed to my house. What recourse do I have? Well, let's start first by saying someone signing a deed to someone else's house is meaningless unless the person signing the deed actually owns some kind of interest in the house. I mean, I could probably go and record a deed in Washington, D.C. for the White House. That doesn't mean that I can transfer the White House to anyone. So the short answer is unless the ex- spouse here um, was actually on the title, Um, he can't transfer anything to anybody, and a deed being recorded that purports to transfer an interest that the person didn't own is likely to be completely ignored by a title company later on. I mean, the bottom line is the recourse could be to go to the stepdaughter and say, hey, if you recorded this, you record something that quit claims or gives it back to me um, because you put now a cloud on my title. But I think the bottom line is that it's probably not going to be an issue for the person in the future if they went to sell that property or refinance. It would likely be ignored by a lender or ignored by a title company. Now, we're coming up on the first break of the show Like I said, if you call me, it's 800-516-1220. You can email me at radio at lawbob.com. And when I come back after the first break here, I'll be continuing on with more questions and comments from around California. I looked ahead. I peeked ahead. There's some interesting ones today, and I think you're going to learn a lot. So stay tuned. Until after the break, this is attorney Bob Bergman.
1: Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman.
2: Hi, welcome back. Uh, before the break, I said I'd continue on with more questions and comments. Uh, if you'd like to talk with me today and ask a question on the air, it's 800-516-1220. That's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. Now, here's a situation that actually probably comes up fairly frequently uh, throughout the state here. Uh, In this case, it's out of Southern California. Uh, Parents created a living trust, have since passed away. In the trust, they specified who successor trustees would be to handle things, presumably handle things uh, after they've died, and maybe there's trust continuing on after that. Now, I'll stop right here and say one of the things I do with the trust that I draft is I have a lot of different alternatives available for having a successor trustee be appointed if there's not one available anymore. I may provide that the beneficiary of a trust can appoint a trustee. I may provide that there is a third party uh, called a trust protector that could appoint a trustee. I may also provide that uh, the majority of the beneficiaries could appoint a trustee, or even a resigning or retiring trustee can appoint their own successor. In this case, this trust ended up with one trustee left who's in poor health, and the family want to know, can they amend the trust for this other person to become the successor trustee? All the beneficiaries agree. So the question is, what can they do? Um, it says the trust allows for the change, so... The question is, if the trust says, hey, by agreement they can do it, that's great. But if it doesn't allow for a change, then they're probably going to have to go to court to add, to seek to amend the trust to appoint a successor trustee and maybe at the same time put in a mechanism in the trust so they don't have to go back to trust again if that successor trustee can't serve anymore or dies or becomes disabled. This is what estate planning is all about, actually. It's planning in advance for situations just like this. And sadly, I see a lot of trusts that don't deal at all with the issue of what happens if the people that you named are either disabled, have died, or are unwilling or unable to serve for some other reason. What happens then? And the default position in the law is you go and you talk to the probate judge, you file a petition to have a trustee appointed. Well, that takes time, that takes money, but mainly it takes time. In some counties, it could be several months before a family could actually go in and have a successor trustee appointed by the court. In the meantime, there's no one actually legally in charge of that trust. There could be all kinds of things happening like property that needs to be sold or refinanced, investments that need to be made, stock that needs to be sold because the market's going down and we want to bail out before it bottoms out. All kinds of things could go on. And if there's no one in charge, it's like a ship that's sailing along with nobody at the wheel. It's just going to go in whatever direction it goes and if something gets in the way that could cause a problem, you may end up running right into that problem because nobody is steering the ship. So this is why I really emphasize that if you want to do living trust estate planning, have it done by a highly trained professional such as myself. Because your typical will and trust lawyer, for example, they don't necessarily know about these issues. And if they're using some form they got somewhere, especially if it's an older form, it's not going to deal with these issues either. If a, if you're doing a do-it-yourself option, like something online or from a book, it's probably not going to be as sophisticated as that as well, which could mean that your family ends up in the exact same situation that this family has ended up with. It, it's probably going to cost them time and money to fix what should be a much easier problem to fix if the trust had been drafted properly in the first place. Now, here's one. This is kind of a heartbreaking one when you, when you break it down. Um, so here's a dad who passed away. He had a second wife, which is the stepmother of the person who's asking the question, stepmother was given a life estate in dad's house uh and then at the end of her life when she dies then this person and uh his or her brother is going to get the property so what happened was um they want to know well okay should the deed be put into their house or into their name right now while their stepmother's still alive uh the deal is It's not really necessary to do that because the trust still owns the property and uh, it means that the stepmother has the right to live there. Hopefully the trust has some requirements for the stepmother to do things like, oh, uh, pay the utilities, pay for ordinary maintenance on the property, uh, maybe pay the property taxes in order to stay there. Maybe also pay the mortgage if there's still a mortgage on the property. Uh, I find that it's easy to say you have the right to live there, but if there's no if if a trust is silent about who has to pay for the expenses of living in a house, you could end up with actual conflicts between a step parent and the stepchildren because everyone's saying, "Hey, I'm not responsible for it. You're responsible for it," and it could all end up in court as a result. Now, in a Let's see. Um, now, here. Here's a question about special needs trust, which which we basically, here in California, I call a supplemental needs trust. Um, a special needs trust, according to the state, is one that's actually set up by a person with their own property, and their own property is put into that trust, and the state may have a recovery right against that property when that person dies a recovery right for any monies paid out for that person's benefit, such as through the Medi-Cal program. So a supplemental needs trust, this person wants to know, says, I have a property with three houses. I want to leave it in a special needs trust for my autistic son and have him live in one of the houses. I want my daughters to be the co-trustees and also run the rental business of the other two houses on the property and use that money to take care of my son's needs whatever, maybe whatever benefits he might not be receiving or needs that are not being met by the state, make sure he's taken care of. Is this possible? Uh, absolutely possible. You can pretty much put any property into a supplemental needs trust and the trustees can then use that property to supplement whatever benefits the person is receiving from the government, whether it's SSI for income, Medi-Cal for health insurance, Section 8 housing for housing, all kinds of things like this. In this case, this would be a great use of the property. Um, given how it's it's set up, there may be some other things the father or mother could do to make sure that when it's passed on to the daughters, uh, they may get a tax benefit. But I'm not going to discuss that. That's a very long discussion, so I'm not going to deal with it today. We're coming up on the mid-break of the show. Again, if you want to call the show, it's 800-516-1220, 800-516-1220. When we come back after the break, I'm going to continue with more questions and comments from around California. So this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman in San Jose, and I'll get back to you after the break.
1: Now back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning, trust, and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman.
2: Hi, welcome back. We're in in the second half of the show, or as I say, we're kind of uh, at the midway point of the race, and in uh, ten minutes or so, we'll be rounding the far turn and heading for home. So let's um, <clears throat> let's go on here. Here's one that I'm not quite sure how it uh, how this would play out or if the person asking the question really knows what happened. Uh, said grandma passed grandma's successor trustee of her trust was her son, and he passed six months later. Son's wife became the trustee, and the question is, can she add a beneficiary two years later said grandma took a sister taken out of the trust. And after after Grandma passed, the sister was put back in. Now, first of all, I'll tell you right away that if a trust becomes irrevocable, literally the only way that the trust could be changed after that point was by the common agreement of all of the beneficiaries of that trust, or if there's a surviving spouse, for example— and there is a trust that's created that's an irrevocable trust because of the death of the first spouse, then it requires all of their agreement and requires a court order. So there's no way that the sister could have been put back in unless it was by the agreement of all the other beneficiaries of the trust who maybe decided, hey, this was not fair. It's not fair that uh, grandma... Took our sister out, she should get a, a share of everything or an equal share. So collectively, all the beneficiaries maybe got together and entered into an agreement to put their sister back into grandma's trust. That is possible. It's not the trustee adding a beneficiary in that case. It's all of the beneficiaries deciding collectively, excuse me, collectively that they want to put somebody in or put somebody back in. So there's some more information that's needed there that's kind of missing, but that's kind of my initial take on that. Now here's one. Okay, someone apparently set up a house in a trust, and the house is for um, a disabled uh, schizophrenic son living there with his brother. And this person apparently set up this trust As a place to live for her sons, the person's ex-spouse was an abusive person and uh, and the person who set up the trust doesn't want the spouse to ever be in the home ever again. So it probably originally was the house owned by both uh, the husband and the wife. So in this case, the husband says, he's coming over even after I told him no. Um, Is there any recourse? Is there any way to prohibit him from staying over? Well, the first thing I'd say is uh, the sons, um, the sons are living in the property. Presumably, they're the beneficiaries of the trust. Uh, The ex-spouse apparently does not own any interest in the property, so he has no right to be in the property at all. That being said, if his sons invite him in to stay there, then there's not much you can do, except if the sons are not the trustee, if, say, the mother's the trustee, then she could conceivably have the ex-husband evicted from the property, but then the sons might just let him back in again. Um, Possibly she may be able to get a restraining order against him ever coming back. I mean, once somebody's evicted from a property If they return to the property, they're actually in violation of the order of eviction, and they could possibly be arrested at that time. So that's maybe what the person would have to do is um, maybe go to court and get a restraining order against the ex-husband ever going into the property again because it's not his property and he has no right to be there. Kind of a messy situation, but uh, there is some recourse to prevent someone from going back into a house if they have no right to be there. Uh, It may involve the civil court system, which could then end up with the criminal court system. If someone has a court order against them telling them not to do something and they violate that court order, that could lead to jail time. So here's someone concerned about their sister. My sister's been married for only six years. If she should pass away... Would her husband inherit all of her property when she has adult children from a previous marriage? Well, here's the deal. When you get married here in California and you have property that you bring into the marriage, that's considered your separate property or your separate estate. If you unintentionally or intentionally mix it into the marriage by putting your new spouse on the title of things, you may have turned it from your separate property to community property now owned by the marriage. If it's community property now owned by the marriage and then the person who came in with the property dies, if they didn't do a will or a trust or some kind of estate plan, it will pass to that new spouse and the children of that person who brought into the marriage won't end up with anything, whether they're adults or minor children, doesn't really matter. In this case, If in fact it stayed separate property when the sister died, then under the law it would be divided between the spouse, the new spouse, and the children. And since it says adult children plural, that would mean under the law one-third would go to the sister's spouse, two-thirds would be divided between the sister's adult children. Now, the sister can avoid that result by maybe setting up a trust for herself that owns her separate property and maybe also entering into a marital property agreement with her spouse where the spouse says, hey, look, I understand I'm not entitled to any of that property. That's going to your kids when you die and none of it comes to me. Or maybe the sister decides some of it goes to the new spouse, maybe to take care of him for his life, then passes on to her kids. But that's a situation that I'm sure happens a lot. Um, the uh, step parent stepchild situation, his kids, her kids, what I call the Brady Bunch families, all of those kinds of things can end up in a situation where uh, someone could actually unintentionally. Disinherit their own children because they're not doing any estate planning for their property when they remarry. So, I, I urge you if you're in a situation like that, you need to get that taken care of before you pass away and your children find out that maybe they won't get anything or they won't get, they'll get less than what they expected because some of it's going to their stepfather or stepmother. Now, here's a kind of an interesting one. Um, mom has transferred her home to me and my brother as joint tenants with right of survivorship. Now, what that would mean is that if one of the kids dies, the other kid now owns 100% of the property. So this person said, can I create a trust and transfer my share of the home into a trust? Answer, yes. You can absolutely do that. If you do that you are now exercising direct control over your divided one-half interest in that house that mom gave you and you can now decide what happens to your half of the house if you become disabled or at your death as and what that will do is it will what what we call sever the joint tenancy it will cut off the joint tenants with right of survivorship and now your trust would own the half with your brother owning the other half as what we call tenants in common. Each of you have your own interest in the property, separately disposed of when you die, depending on whatever you did. Now here, person said, hey, should I sell my share to my brother? Okay, I don't know why you would. Certainly you can. If that happens, then the half that you sell to your brother will be reassessed for the property taxes to the full market value, in this case, current assessed value is 55000 market value is 800000 That would cause your brother's taxes to go up by several thousand dollars a year if you were to sell it. Uh, they want to know, uh, if I sell, how do I avoid the reassessed tax value? Can't really do that at this point um, because you already own the property. Um, possibly you could transfer your half of the property back to your mother, um, and then your mother could sell it to your brother, and that would be a transfer compared to child. And then your mother, out of the goodness of her heart, could decide to give you cash instead as a gift, and that way your brother could avoid a reassessment. But any transaction at this point between you and your brother will trigger a reassessment of the property tax, which will um, which will likely also happen uh, when one of you dies, is there will be a reassessment of the property tax. So we're coming up on the third break of the show. I uh, want to tell you, want to remind you again, I do have seminars tomorrow on the Living Trust Seminar, Retirement Plan Trust Seminar. And I also have uh, a seminar coming up on Monday, a brand new one. I'll tell you a little bit more about it at the end of the show today, but it basically deals with married couples who have older style trusts that require the division of property into two trusts when they die. So when I come back after the break, if you'd like to give me a call, it's 800-516-1220. After the break, I'm going to finish up the show with a few more questions and comments from around the state and then wrap it up before the end of the hour. So until then, This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, and I will talk to you after the break. And whatever you do, watch the air out there. It's really bad and really deadly today.
1: This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: Hi, welcome back for the final segment of the show. Um, That'll be um, not too long. This is the shortest segment of the show, so we have about roughly eight minutes together. So I have a few more things to to cover here, a few more questions and comments, and I'll wrap things up for the day. So, Uh, Here is uh, someone out of uh, the Sacramento area. um, Says, Dad has a living trust. My brother's the first trustee, and I'm the secondary trustee. Dad's now hospitalized, and my brother indicates through the fact he's first trustee, he is allowed to make all decisions. Okay, well, that's true in reference to being a trustee, all financial decisions for the property owned by the trust. Now as I said he's indicated he's taking my father out of the hospital and home as there's nothing that can be done. He's taking possession of our family home and my father's bank account. So the question is do I have a right to make any decision in regard to my father's health, well being, care, etc? And does he have the right to take possession of our family home? Well first of all, um that I would ask the question, "Is there an advanced health care directive um where the father granted the 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 one brother authority as his health care agent to make decisions like putting him in the hospital, taking him out of the hospital, taking him home, things like that, probably so if it's at least at least a bare minimum estate plan. it probably has an advanced directive, taking possession of the family home i'm not sure exactly what that means or what this person means if they mean that the brother's going to move into the home with dad to take care of him until he passes away well you know what someone needs to do that if dad's going home because there's nothing that can be done for him and he's basically in the last time of life and he's getting to the point where he's getting ready to pass away and there would either need to be a caregiver there that you'd have to pay for or a family member that would move in um, so moving back in, taking possession to me just means moving back in. I think probably the brother who's the trustee now could move in to take care of dad um, and and make sure. Now, after dad passes away, that's a whole different matter. Then he doesn't have any particular right to kind of hang out in the house really for any longer than it would be necessary to perhaps sell the property and divide up the proceeds with the other brother. So that's kind of my take on that right there. Now, here's something I actually talk about in my seminars. um, When I talk about um, making a will um, and joint tenancy and things like that and how they interact with each other. Uh, This person says, currently I have joint accounts with my spouse. If I write a will allocating my money, um, for example, I die, I want to give 100% of my money to my nephew, does that take precedence over my husband that has his name on financial accounts? Apparently, the husband also is the beneficiary on the 401k plan. Here's the short answer to that. No. If you have a joint account with somebody... that that is like a joint tenancy account or a community property account, it's going to pass to the spouse, the, the spouse pretty much by operation of law, and your will can't change that. Now, if you have an account that says community property on it rather than joint tenancy and doesn't say community property with right of survivorship, which is another way it can be owned, then, yes, you could make a will saying I leave my half of community property to my nephew. Now the deal is the nephew needs to know about that and the nephew needs to make sure that um, that action is taken so that half of any accounts owned as community property solely as community property could actually get to the nephew. Now the husband will probably think well my wife died this is my account um, if the husband doesn't know about the will ahead of time, you can end up with a problem because the husband can take could take the wife's name off the account and then close it, open a new account and everything else. Now you've got a problem of figuring out what did the wife actually own when she died. Um, I think the, the better approach here would be to have a discussion with the husband about what your intention is and then maybe separate out Property, so that or do a trust that provides that the property gets distributed, not a will, a will takes too long to get into court, and bad things can happen long before a will uh, could ever be heard by a court, whereas a trust takes effect um, immediately, it's already in effect, and a and a beneficiary of the trust would have immediate rights in that trust and could, if necessary, take action against the husband who did something in violation of those rights. The 401k plan is a special case. Um, This wife here cannot just put her nephew on as the beneficiary of her 401k plan. The federal ERISA law does not permit that. It would require her husband's consent to change the beneficiary from him as the surviving spouse to her nephew. Well, we're about done for the day. I want to remind you I have living trust and retirement plan trust seminars on for tomorrow. I also have a new trust coming up Monday afternoon from 1 to 2. Uh, Your living trust is broken. It's for married couples that have older trusts. And um, that's pretty much it for today. I, I urge you. If you have a question, you can email me at radio at lawbob.com. You could also call me at 408-247-0444. I'll be happy to answer a brief question for you, let you know if I think you should come in. Until next week, this is attorney Bob Bergman. Have a great weekend and be safe.
1: You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, Visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio.